Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Hello, good morning, Bobcat fans, and welcome to this Monday, May 1st edition of Bobcat Radio here on KTSW 89.9, and we got a good show for you guys today. I'm your host, Kobe Jackson, alongside my wonderful co-host, J.P. Flanagan, and like I talked about earlier, we have a good lineup, Texas State baseball and softball both victorious in their conference series also nfl draft is officially over as we will kind of give you the rundown of the top stories in the draft also round one of the nba playoffs has officially concluded as well as we look forward to round number two but before we get into all of that let's start with the jp from a word from our sponsor twin twin peaks restaurant and sports bar is a sponsor of this broadcast to bobcat radio located on the northbound frontage road of i-35 at guadalupe street in san marcos twin peaks has bites wings burgers sandwiches and more info and menu at twinpeaksrestaurant.com twin peaks eats drinks and scenic views thank you jp let's go and get right into it texas state bait let's start off with texas state softball as they were very victorious in their conference win against the marshall thundering herd First game was on April 28th on Friday. Final score of that was three to nothing. So a shutout there for the Bobcats. Then they had to drop. Then they dropped the game on Saturday as they lost two to one against the Marshall Thunderbird that even the series. And then a big blowout victory against Marshall the final day, which was Sunday with the final score of nine to one. I mean, the big story really here, if you're looking at this series, was Sarah Vanderford. She was all over the place during this series. Had a double. In the first game, also I believe she had she, but she, even though she was hitless in the second game, she did have a home run that she'd hit in the final game of this conference matchup. So the Bobcats are on a real roll right now, and you know the momentum is on their side, heading more heading more closer to a conference play. Yeah, I mean, and we had talked about in previous weeks how the softball team had kind of been on a skid, and they were kind of looking to build off any sort of momentum they could find, and um, you know that ULM series like last week, I think, really was the momentum changer because. You know, coming off of, you know, six, seven straight losses and then a, a blowout from uh, from Texas A&M down the street. I mean, you really needed something to get you going. And that ULM series really turned things around because this Marshall team is no joke. And they, they were, you know, 39 and eight or something before mm-hmm. going into this weekend. And now they're 49. And um, this Texas State team was just able to, you know, match them and match their energy. And it was really awesome to watch because, I mean, they didn't just do it in fashion where, you know, it was close and they, they gave it their all. I mean, they really just put them in the dirt and really, you know, showed what, they, what they're what they about. And I'm glad you mentioned Sarah Vanniford because that's one of the leaders on this team. And mm-hmm. if this team really does want to have any sort of success, they're going to need those uh, leaders like Vanniford and Earls and, um, you know, the pitching to be on the, on its end. So, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, and this was not no easy Marshall team. This was a good Marshall team to beat, and especially since Texas State's looking to build on wins like that. I mean, only only good things from here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, they have one more they will have one more final conference series against JMU, and we'll kind of get into that a little bit later. But just going back to the series, first off, we got to start off with Jessica Mullins, who pitched outstanding in the first game, allowing no run score throughout the whole game. She went a complete game, so she went a full seven innings during the 
whole game. She went, uh, she only gave up three hits, two walks. She also struck out seven batters as well. So a real dominant performance by her. And then obviously, if you're looking at second, the second game, Presley Glendee was on the mound as well for the Bobcats. And also Tori McCann was the starting pitcher as well. So obviously a little bit of a break there. But in the final matchup where they only scored nine runs, Jessica Mullins was back on the mound once again. And she went a full six innings. You know, only gave up four hits, one run, one earned run. So that was the only run that Marshall scored and then struck out 10 batters. I mean, talk about I mean, talk about that seven strikeouts from the first game struck out 10 batters in the final game of this series. I mean, I mean, what more can you say? I mean, throwing a, over 100 pitches as well. I mean, so far, this Bobcat team has a lot of momentum and, you know, they just they're just trying to get more wins. Yeah, I mean, and this is crucial time for it to happen. I mean, it's the end of the year and getting ready for a tournament and some tournament. Um, good things, though. I mean, this uh, JMU team, they're getting ready to play. Uh, did get swept by the Raging Cajuns, something that they share with the Texas State Bobcats. And then looking at this, uh, the, the them against Marshall, they went one and two against Marshall versus Texas State going two and one. So, I mean, you like where we stand or where Texas State stands going into this series, um, but it'll be crucial that Texas State's able to finish the season on a high note, especially since, you know, the Sun Belt's not very forgiving. Um, coming into that tournament, you're going to have to be playing your best, and um, I think this JMU matchup could be a perfect opportunity for them to, you know, get ready for that tournament when it does arise. Absolutely, and currently right now, sitting in the Sun Belt standings, currently Texas State is sitting at fifth place in the Sun Belt, and right behind them is JMU. So it's a 5-6 battle in the conference between these two teams as they will play each other this Friday. Uh, and they'll have another weekend series as Texas State softball will conclude their regular season this weekend, this weekend against JMU. But let's go and switch things to the men's side. Texas State baseball was also victorious in their series as well as they took on old Justin Verlander's team in Old Dominion as the Bobcats were really, really, really impressive. Just starting off with Friday's game, Final score of 11 to 1. I mean, that was an outstanding performance by Levi Wells. And we talked about him and the dominant series he had against Marshall. But just going off of Levi Wells, the stats had, you know, set, went a full seven innings, had two, only uh, struck two hits, two walks, but struck out 10 batters as well. He also pitched 114 pitches in the ball game. So honestly, a real productive day for Levi Wells and especially for this Bobcat batting lineup as they scored 11 runs in the first game. Yeah, I mean, thank you to Levi Wells. I mean, he, we, this has just proven that time in and time out, he, he can really start a series and set the momentum for this team. And I think that's great that Coach Trout has been able to find that momentum spark because going into this this series, I mean, you really needed to see Texas State take advantage of these opportunities against Old Dominion. I mean, you saw how in the Troy series, it seemed like they were in the driver's seat when Levi was out there. And then the moment he came out, um, the, the series kind of fell. And I mean, it was great to see a series that, you know, went in the favor of the Bobcats 2-1. I mean, honestly, l- looking at the series recap for the weekend, though, I think I think this is a, a team that Texas State really could have, you know, 3-0'd and that would have been, you know, a lot of momentum. But I mean, you can't ask for much. I mean, that Old Dominion team was in the same spot Texas State is in. This was a very important fight for like the four and five seed, I think, in the Sun Belt. So, I mean, it was great to see Texas State really solidify themselves in the in the top running of the Sun Belt right now. And hopefully that, you know, with a lot of baseball left in the season, they're able to capitalize. I know that the next game is against Incarnate Word, who's having a great season of their own in the FCS level. Um, but the great thing about the te- this Texas State team is they've played a lot of the big teams in the country. Yeah. So, I mean, they come with the experience of, you know, playing teams like Texas A&M, playing Texas, you know, the big upper, upper echelon schools in the in the country. So, I mean, I think that plays in the favor of both the softball team and the baseball team. They're not shying away from any competition. Maybe it's not leading to wins, but um, it's certainly leading to better experience so that you can take advantage 
advantage of these opponents that um, you know coming up on the schedule. You do make a great point about them playing big teams because obviously Texas is obviously one of the big teams that they played this season. Also, UTSA Roadrunners, who you know unfortunately Bobcats split the series between them, but they're having an unbelievable year as well, as well as Incarnate Word, like you just mentioned. So the Bobcats are getting those type of teams that they I mean that they would want to face, but at the same time try to match the level of competition like some of the bigger schools have and honestly they're living up to it but currently sitting they're like you talked about they're sitting currently fourth in the Sunbelt Conference right now Old Dominion is now sitting seventh in the Sunbelt Conference Texas State with the 12 to 9 record uh in conference 29 and 16 overall so obviously a really good win for the Bobcats baseball team against Old Dominion and just looking ahead to the incarnate words that incarnate word ball game that game will be tomorrow at 6 p.m. at Bobcat Ballpark here in San Marcos. So obviously a lot of people are going to be at this game, people from traveling from San Antonio to come watch to come watch this. So I expect this to be a really big crowd here in San Marcos. So, but I mean, honestly, this is where you really have to make, I wouldn't say make or break, but at the same time, build them, keep the momentum going against a really good and kind word team and just try to keep going as, you know, they try to finish out the series. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't have someone like UIW walk into San Marcos and, you know, uh, put a loss on the win column because, you know, it is a one-game series. And, I mean, obviously, the big name of Texas State and San Marcos, this UIW team wants to, you know, put themselves on the map. But, you know, as a Texas State team, are you going to allow that team to do that? And that'll be the big question mark going into the game. Um, Can Texas State really just, you know, put their foot down and, and finish the season out the way that we all know they're capable of? So that is right. Texas State Baseball t- taking on Incarnate Word Cardinals at 6 p.m. at Ballcat Ballpark here in San Marcos. You can catch that game on EASPN+. And if you want to go out to the game, please go out and support the Bobcats. But we're going to take a quick break. But on the other side, we're going to be talking about the NFL Draft and NBA Playoffs. Round 2 is officially set. Don't go anywhere, folks. You are listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. Welcome back to this Monday, May 1st edition of Bobcat Radio here in here in San Marcos, Texas. So now let's go ahead and get started with some national sports as we will be done talking about Texas State. And let's go ahead and talk about the NFL draft as we had a really interesting NFL draft this past this past weekend as all those stars were at the draft there in Kansas City, Missouri, hoping their name would be called. And obviously some unrestricted free agents were also signed as well. So don't think that people didn't get to sign uh, to their team. But, I mean, just going off of the NFL draft, I mean, to me, if you're looking at the winners of this draft, I know we really don't talk about winners a lot, but, I mean, some teams that really made a lot of noises in the draft was the Texans and the Seahawks, surprisingly. So obviously... A really interesting draft here. Also, my Steelers, which I'll dig into my little spiel in a minute. But, I mean, just this draft was honestly unbelievable. But, honestly, some of it was not surprising either. Yeah, I mean, I felt like those first 10 picks weren't, like, the most surprising. You could kind of feel where things were falling. Um, if I had to, like, call out a team that maybe made, you know, some questionable decisions, and this is a team I'm really pulling for as the season, you know, ramps up and the offseason goes, is the Detroit Lions. It didn't really feel like they had 
very much of a mission going into this. And I mean, they have a lot of question marks, but did, were any of those questions really filled? I mean, when their, their first pick was 12 overall um, and they decided to grab another running back, um, this is obviously because they knew that they were going to have a hole with the DeAndre Swift thing. I mean, he's been a guy who hasn't been able to stay healthy too long and get a lot of meaningful minutes at, on this Lions team. So yeah, I mean, that was the first question mark. And then um, a lot of question about drafting a linebacker in the first round. Uh, not a lot of people felt like any were worth drafting in the first round besides the number three overall pick, Will Anderson, and he's more of an edge type linebacker. So, I mean, yeah, just questionable decisions by them. And then and then the second round, they started off with uh, drafting Sam Laporta, mm-hmm. the one pick ahead of um, Myers, who was the, you know, in my, my mind, the number one tight end in this draft. So, I mean, very questionable decision making, but I mean, I trust Dan Campbell. Um, I mean, they, he's got something moving in, you know, Detroit, and hopefully this is, you know, just me being, you know, me and overlooking things that, you know, <laughs> that could be, you know, important. And then also, I mean, I think one highlight was the Hennon Hooker pickup. Yeah. I mean, although he's two years younger than, than, um, Jared Goff. Jared Goff, yeah. I mean, I think he has a bright future, and I think that's something that you can just stock behind Jared Goff, get that experience. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call them a loser in this, but, I mean, you would definitely raise your eyebrows with the, where they were going in this direction. Yeah, and one thing, I mean, you, you're 100% right, because, honestly, I was kind of surprised that DeAndre Swift got even got traded anyway. And what's crazy is he got traded to the Philadelphia Eagles, which – to me, it makes sense because Miles Sanders, you know, obviously is somewhere else. So obviously they needed a good running back and why not get a great running back in DeAndre Swift? Now, I do do take in count that injuries do happen and it's unfortunate, but unfortunately that's the NFL for you, you know. But I mean, just looking at other teams, I mean, let's talk about the Houston Texans for just a second because they got two first round picks in the, in the first round, back-to-back picks, obviously drafting, obviously the number two, uh, drafting number two and CJ Stroud, which wasn't surprising, but also picking up Will Anderson Jr. from Alabama as well. I mean, a really awesome draft. Then wide receiver from Houston and Tank and Tank Dell, and I mean, honestly, if you're the Houston Texans, I think a lot of it opened a lot of eyebrow, eyes for a lot of NFL fans. And to be honest with you, the Houston Texans had a great draft. They drafted every round, so they didn't trade up anything for all their draft picks. So, I mean, a really good draft by the Houston Texans. Yeah, and a lot of people were giving them criticism about, you know, the way it was done. But, I mean, I think that getting the franchise quarterback was very important and, you know, solidifying him at two and not having to, you know, push back and risk losing out on C.J. Stroud was a great was a great move by them. And then getting that third spot so that um, Ryan DeMarco um, or – yeah, I think that's his name. I totally butchered that. But, I mean, getting his defensive player on the defense was crucial because, you know, he's a defensive-minded head coach who's coming from San Francisco when they play stout defense there. So it was very awesome to see that them, you know, be aggressive and get the two of the top three picks, um, something that has only been done twice before. I think it was in 2000. I forget the team. but And then the one other time in, like, the 80s. So it's not very common that two, a team is able to secure two top three picks. And I, I don't think they did too bad with it. I mean, they were able to capitalize. They they clearly went for need, and they went for the franchise. So they not only have a franchise player on the offense, but also on the defense. You know what's crazy is about this draft is that C.J. Stroud said something about Houston fans. I forgot what it was, but I mean, but I mean, I'm happy for Stroud. I'm happy the fact that he is on the team. And to be honest with you, I think he's going to be their franchise quarterback. And I, I, I said that last time when Deshaun Watson got drafted by the Houston Texans, I was like, okay, this dude's going to be their franchise quarterback. He's going to be, be there for a long time. And, you know, we obviously know how that turned out as well. But, I mean, let, I mean, I just kind of want to talk about the Steelers for just a second because, honestly, the Steelers had a really, 
really amazing draft. They they graded the Steelers an A for their draft as well. But I mean, we got outstanding people. I mean, Broderick Jones, the offensive tackle from Georgia, also Darnell Washington as well. Also got two great defensive players from Wisconsin, Keanu Benton and Nick Herbig. So, I mean, a really awesome draft for for Pittsburgh. And then obviously picking up the big time corner from Penn State and Joey Porter Jr. So, I mean, a real amazing draft by the Steelers team. However, the one thing I did wanted to kind of question is that we don't have really a good running back. I mean, I know I talk about Najee Harris a lot and how, you know, he's kind of downgraded himself. But I, to be honest with you, I think this defense really honestly just added a lot of pieces because I know we were going to be missing a few people here due to free agency. But I mean, what a what a great draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I mean, and one of the teams that I mean, because I don't have like a specific NFL team, and you were talking about this, Kobe. So I'm kind of just like a wanderer out there, just trying to find a team to you know really support. And one of these teams that I could just easily see you know upside in was the Eagles. I mean, they just they drafted with purpose, and you know, a team that's coming off of a uh, Super Bowl loss. I mean, you would think, okay, the offense isn't the issue; it's the defense, and mm-hmm. that's what they prioritize. They prioritize going after the defense. And I've heard jokes that they're becoming the Georgia. Eagles, you know, <laughs> they, they have plenty. They have plenty of Eagle, uh, Georgia defensive uh, players now, and you know that's that speaks volumes to what Georgia's building and how how they've you know been developing their players. And I really think that this you know, Eagles team becomes even more dangerous than it already is because I mean, last year I think what really cost it besides the fumble from Jalen Hurts might have just been the lack of the ability to contain mm-hmm. the the goat Patrick Mahomes. So I mean, they they did ha- they had a great um, draft, and I think that this puts them in the driver's seat to be like one of the top three favorites to return to the Super Bowl I think that you know this solidifies them as you know not not just a fluke one-year thing mm-hmm. against um, Patrick Mahomes but you know a team that's wanting to come back and and they have a lot of returning players from that team not a lot of people retired you know people are committed and locked into getting back to where they were absolutely so that was your NFL draft kind of spiel a little bit as we will kind of keep you updated more as unfor- unrestricted free agent signing I just want to kind of give a quick shout out to one of my uh, high school classmates, Mr. Ben Sims, who was an undrafted free agent, drafted to the Minnesota Vikings this past weekend. So, I mean, big Ben Sims, congratulations. I hope you do well in Minnesota and, you know, hope you get your Super Bowl and make the Clark Cougars proud. But let's go and take a transition into the NBA playoffs. And man, this round one, I mean, you could make an argument. This was one of the best round ones I've seen in a very long time. But round one is officially over as... We saw some interesting, interesting things going on this past weekend. As so, we're gonna go ahead and start off with the. I think the up. I guess you could call it an upset, but not really an upset. Is the Memphis Grizzlies and the Los Angeles Lakers as they battled Game Six of Round One. And let me just say, I didn't. I to, uh, let me just say this: Grizzlies had no chance of winning. Like that, no chance of winning, especially when. Uh, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and D'Angelo Russell were just going absolutely bonkers in this ball game. I mean, Grizzlies have been kind of, I guess you could say, the controversial team throughout the season with the noise they've been making, especially with John Moran in his off the court situation. And then obviously Dylan Brooks with his little, uh, little rant against or to LeBron James. So obviously a lot to deal with that. But I mean, 
the Lakers just absolutely pummeled them in game six. Yeah, I mean, and one series I was really watching was the Warriors-Kings because this is, you know, who the Lakers are going to have to play going into the next round. And I was thinking that the best chance for this Lakers team was probably the Kings. I mean, a young, unexperienced team against a LeBron team. But now it's really the most exciting option we have, and that's that they're going to have to take on the Golden State Warriors, who is also an experienced team. So this is an experienced team versus an experienced team, uh, experienced coach versus a non-experienced coach. I mean, you could honestly argue LeBron is probably, you know, an assistant coach on a team. But, I mean, <laughs> I, I think I think this is, like, the most exciting option we could have had. I mean, you know, another exciting series, go in, only the second round, getting to see a Warriors team and a Lakers team. I'm very excited. This is a series that I could see also going seven games. But if I'm being real... I mean, I don't know. I don't know who's going to guard Anthony Davis and no. Kevon Looney. I love him. He did great against Demonte Sabonis, but they're two different animals. And I mean, we're just going to have to see going forward. But I think this is a series that, in my mind, I see it leaning towards Warriors. But I know there's plenty on the staff who are going to say, you know, this is just another series for LeBron and AD. And you know, but I mean, we're 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 always you know a few minutes away from AD getting hurt or something. Not to speculate anything, but you know, he <laughs> knock on wood. He, yeah, knock on woods for real. I mean, but he, you know, he's a guy that you're going to need you know, playing his best to take on this Warriors team at all times. So hopefully that they're able to do that and they're able to pull a series out. Let's kind of, I want to, I'll pre, we'll preview this series and kind of think what's expected, but I just want to go back to Sacramento for just a minute. Cause to me, I think a lot of people really opened their eyes when they saw the Sacramento team and I called it, I said, watch this team. Cause this team will, will literally run until they tire you out. And unfortunately they tied themselves off against the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry with 50 points, the yeah. most all time, the most all time scored in a game seven of any of any playoff series, round one, round two, uh, conference finals, NBA finals. That's never been, I mean, that's never been done ever. And to me, he literally just solidified his greatness in game seven. I know that's hard to admit, but in all fairness, real recognizes real Steph Curry. To me, I mean, you can make an argument. He's considered now one of the, you know, one of the best point guards in the NBA. NBA, NBA. Maybe, maybe besides maybe Kyrie Irving, but we'll, we'll, we can get into that debate a little, you know, at another time. But I mean, what a performance by Steph Curry! You know, dropping fifty points on the Sacramento Kings when Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins were hitting bricks all over the place. So I mean, what an amazing player! And obviously, you know, he's making his name well, well known in the NBA and possibly in future years to come. Yeah, I mean, and, and no one really saw the Kings in this position. I mean, you could have seen it in the beginning of the year. I mean, without any film on Debonis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox together, you couldn't have known that this Kings team was going to be as dominant as it was and to be in this position. I mean, but they got they got unfortunate. You know, they had to play a team that just could not be balanced in the first round. There was no way you were going to balance Curry and Clay and Draymond in the first round and Steve Kerr. There's just no way. But, I mean, props to them getting that position. I mean, now next year we all know to be watching out for that Kings team they are no joke and hopefully they're able to keep the success because I know with Mike Brown at the helm they have a good chance at you know building this thing up to where it needs to be and hopefully this isn't just another 17-year drought from the playoffs and we're able to see the Kings back next year and maybe they'll get their first playoff series win in you know 18 years so yeah a lot of upside there in Sacramento but I one team that I am really pulling for now that this you know now that the second round is underway is the Miami Heat and I know they don't have Tyler Hero but Jimmy Butler has just been so exciting to watch and the way he leads his team and you know just his his energy on that court I mean it's really awesome to watch and getting to see him you know work his way back to hopefully another NBA finals would be kind of awesome and you know they're playing a Knicks team right now where they're actually the Knicks are favored to win mm-hmm. but I mean Jimmy Butler just keeps defying the odds and you know 
able to take over these teams. And I think this Knicks team's a little overrated. I don't see where where their, where their star power is besides Jalen Brunson. You want to tell Spike Lee that? I mean, I won't tell Spike. I, I, I like Spike. <laughs> I, I saw his shoes the other night, too. It was I Will, Willis too. Reed, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. Those, those were clean. Yeah, very cool shoes. But, yeah, I mean, this Knicks team, I mean, without Julius Randle even, I, I really don't know how they're going to be able to keep the, the Bulls. But, I mean, I could say – or the, not the Bulls, the Heat. But I could say the same thing about the Heat team. They're not very deep either. It's really just Jimmy Butler versus the world right now. So, I mean, yeah, that's just one series that I personally have found a lot of interest in just because Jim, the, the rise of Jimmy Buckets. Yeah, I mean – Jimmy Buckets, but keep in mind, people people really don't remember how well Jimmy Butler played in the NBA Finals when they played against LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers at that time in Game Five specifically. Because I want to say Jimmy Butler played that whole game and absolutely put on a performance that, like I've, ne- I also like I've never seen until Steph Curry kind of ruined that this past weekend. But, but just going off of that series alone, I do agree with you about Miami possibly having more advantage because of the vet because of some of the veterans that are on that team, like Kyle Lowry, like Jimmy Butler, Bam, you know, Bam Adebayo now kind of getting used to being along with the veterans as well. So, but I mean, Miami has had playoff history, obviously the two back-to-back championships that they won with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, obviously. So they have a lot of, a lot of experience being in the playoffs as well. As far as the New York Knicks go, I mean, I, I can see them maybe it maybe winning one game out of this series, but I still think Miami would go to the conference finals. But I mean, if that happens, I mean, when was the last time an eight seed has made it even to the conference finals? I yeah, mean, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you, but I mean, I think they're going to have to play one of those teams from the Boston 76ers series, which is, you know, arguably the Eastern Conference Finals in the second round. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that'll be interesting to watch because really, whatever team wins that <laughs> wins that bloodbath, they're in the driver's seat in their mm-hmm. own right to make the Eastern Conference Finals. So, I mean, that'll be curious. That'll be one to watch for sure going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And another, the other. Western so there's games on tonight uh it's game it's game one of the eastern semis between the Philadelphia Sixers and the Boston Celtics they're in Boston so for me I'm gonna take I'm gonna go ahead and take Boston in this in the first game just so they can kind of get comfortable and then game two will really decide who kind of wins wins that series yeah I mean and the, the Joel Embiid thing is gonna be a big question mark because I mean he's going with an MC, or MCL, sprain MCL sprain or something mm-hmm. yeah which is a, usually a two to four week process you don't want to risk you know a significant injury um so yeah that'll be a big question mark I mean I know we don't condone um sports betting or anything here at KCSW, <laughs> but I mean I like to look at the odds just because it gives you a tell on who's supposed to win and the Sixers are plus three three hundred sixty something right now, so mm-hmm. they're significantly fa- unfavored with you know without the Joel Embiid addition. But that does not mean that you can't under um, undermine the ability of Tyrese Maxey and James Harden and what they're able to do because we we have been able to see what you know the Celtics do when they when their stars don't play up to their best. Like when Jalen Brown's not playing his best and when Jason Tatum's not playing their best, you know they can hardly beat the Hawks. Yeah. So I mean it'll be interesting to see how the stars of the 76ers without Joel Embiid match up against probably the best team in the east in my opinion yeah absolutely and the i mean we we i know we talk about the west a lot but the east honestly has made it made a lot of noise this in this playoffs as well so that game's going to be at 6 30 central time on tnt and then the other game that is going to be honestly an eye opener for a lot of people is the phoenix suns taking on the number one team in the west the denver nuggets denver nuggets took game one in this series and I mean, that opened a lot of eyes because honestly, a lot of people were favoring the Suns in this series. But people, I, but people tell me that Jamal Murray is such an underrated point guard because of all the things he could do, especially in the playoffs. 
but it's game two. So to me, I'm going to take Phoenix in this so they can even up the series and just possibly make a nice little wrong in the playoffs heading back into Phoenix, Arizona. And, uh, you know, it's it's a coin flip on that series. Yeah, I mean, you speak on Jamal Murray. I mean, the guy has just bounced back from injury. And, I mean, he didn't have the greatest regular season, of course, playing up to, you know, his standard that he was prior to the injury. But, I mean, that's not necessarily what this Nuggets team needs. They need, a you know, a point guard and a vocal leader. And that's exactly what they have with him leading Nikola Jokic. And it, it's awesome to see that they were able to pull the first one out because if they didn't, I'd probably say this is a Phoenix Sun series in five, like last year. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they did. You know, they pulled the first one out. And this is crucial for, you know, Jokic kind of not legacy, but, you know, what he's, you know, putting out and, you know, he him taking advantage of what people thought, you know, the number one team going into this, you know, the Phoenix Suns. um, I mean, it's it's great because, I mean, he's proving that, hey, this Nuggets team is the number one team in the West right now. So, I mean, yeah, it's awesome to watch him get to kind of show his stuff and hopefully that this is able to continue. But I mean, I think this will be a a fight all the way to the end. And I mean, arguably, whichever team wins this one is in the driver's seat to make the Western Conference finals. Yeah, 100 percent. So, well, my picks are because I had Sacramento, but Denver's still in because I had Denver going to the Western Conference Finals still. So, but my Sacramento pick was completely gone after yesterday's 50 point game by Steph. So, but game two of the other Western semis conference or semis matchup is going to be at nine o'clock central time, right after the the Philadelphia Boston game. You can catch that on TNT as well as Denver is looking to go two and zero, and Phoenix is looking to go one and one. But that is all the time we have here this afternoon. Let's go and kind of give a little bit of the weather report here this afternoon, this morning here. So today it is currently, sorry, just kind of taking a little bit here. So lovely San Marcos, obviously the sun is out, but it's going to be 75, it's currently 75 degrees outside. It is going to be a high of 83. It was a low of 54 this morning. And then tomorrow's forecast, Tuesday's forecast, is going to be a highest 81 and a low of 62 as well. So obviously the sun is starting to shine here on the state of Texas as we are in officially in the month of May. So obviously everybody, it is crunch time. It's time to get finals going. Uh, JP, do you got any finals that you got to do this week? Oh man, they're all next week. But for everyone out there, I got to finish strong. I mean, <laughs> got the biggest academic comebacks in, in everyone's you know career. So you yeah, know, yeah, get get your stuff done. Yeah, absolutely. So, but that is all the time we have. Thank you for tuning in to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio here in in KT on KTSW. If you want to keep up with KTSW Sports, please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Spotify as well on for KTSW Sports Sports. For J.P. Flanagan, I'm Kobe Jackson. Wish you all a very happy Monday. Good luck on all your finals this week. Have a good day, everybody. And now let's get you back to the other side of radio.